Welcome to episode three of the Into the Hopper podcast. On this episode, I'd like to welcome Mr. Mike Rogers, the Senior Director of Solutions Architecture at Tala Security. Way back in the year 2017, before coronavirus, Mike was my manager on the Solutions Engineering and Implementation team at Distill Networks for several months. And we had a, a great time working on some data science problems as they applied to Solutions Engineering uh, during that time. And Mike is a big believer in, in data science and analytics and offered to come talk to me about it from uh, his perspective outside of uh, data science and analytics and and talk from his experience with customers as to why this is such an important and valuable topic. Welcome, Mr. Mike Rogers. Tim, thanks for having me. I'm delighted. Uh, you're one of my favorite managers I've ever had. And I think that's probably because it was only for like two months. <laughs> didn't it didn't last long enough for yeah it makes sense <laughs> i'm easy to get along with in short bursts uh so w- what is solutions engineering and and uh or solutions architecture i don't even know if they're different what what do you do day to day what we're trying to do is we're listening to customers we're listening to the product team we're listening to the vision of our business and we're trying to match all of that together and come up with solutions to problems that customers have uh, in my role at, at tala i'll give a quick kind of thumbnail on what Tala Security is. Tala is a solution for protecting the data that you're st- that you're putting in the browser. Really building an invisible fence around all of the software, the JavaScript and whatever code is running in the browser from that you've developed, that third parties have developed, if you're relying upon frameworks and open source, whatever that is, this kind of idea of a web application runtime protection system that governs and ensures that things don't go rogue and start stealing data and taking it off. Commonly, you'll hear this described as a kind of the mage cart tactics, uh, but we're seeing a lot more and more beyond just those quote unquote mage cart groups. This is happening now across all industries, not just e-commerce. The solutions engineering team is helping getting helping get that product in place with your customers. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we, get it, we get into a conversation, we're doing a little bit of evangelizing and, and talking about this problem and educating. And then, um, you know, when customers who are, are aware that they are facing this as a challenge, maybe it's a gap in their data protection strategy. Uh, you know, we go and look at their infrastructure, we think about the ways that our software uh, and solution can integrate there, and how we're going to demonstrate value to them, uh, make sure that they have all the you know, everything that they need to solve these kinds of problems, protect the data, protect their customers, you know, avoid the compliance concerns, that sort of stuff. So we, you know, sales, a little bit of architecture and engineering and a lot of kind of customer success and customer journey, you know, table setting. Your background is is mostly in security type products. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say in the last decade, that's absolutely true. I worked at Newstar. I worked at, um, you know, Distill Networks for six years. I was part of the founding team there and uh, you know, early team, let's call it, I'd say um, 13th employee. And, um, you know, so we, we grew that business. And then, you know, the most recently now here with Tala. In my experience, I've been in several different security companies. Modern cybersecurity products are generating enormous amounts of data. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's an area that I, I think also is ripe for opportunity, right? It, it, if you look at the marketplace around things like security, incident and event management platforms, the Splunks and, and homegrown type solutions that you might see there, or even the data lake technologies that exist, um, you know everyone's looking at ways to 
dump that data in and save it for whatever that they're saving it for, at least on the customer side. And then the vendors are all looking for ways to extract more information and insights out of that data so they can provide value to their customers. It's a never ending stream of data when it comes to security, for sure. One of the challenges is then making that data a useful thing. I know this is a big problem in in security, in modern security, where you can instrument and and monitor so many aspects of whatever technical infrastructure you're trying to protect, you generate so much data that is overwhelming, frankly. I mean, you, you can, it's almost unbounded in the amount of data you can generate. So um, I think in the work, the little work that I did with you several years ago, uh, the big task was, can we find the parts of that data that are actually interesting to us from a perspective of trying to help the customers is is that the challenge that you often see yeah you know i i love that as an example honestly the idea there because the initial sort of perspective i think that distill had as a product uh was to you know that word distill to distill things down to simplify to um you know present some really salient information to the customers and at a certain level, uh, the dashboarding, the reporting that we were providing was uh, was only getting so much of the insights. Maybe it was too it was taken too far to uh, you know to, to uh, in a way that presented the data at too high of a level. What we were trying to do, you know, in in taking that data uh, was you know I guess the basis of it. Maybe since no one knows what we're talking about, is that we were take, collecting all this log data to still acting as a proxy. We're able to take all this log data and look at HTTP headers, look at all of this kind of wide swaths of information and, um, and, and really look at it kind of in the circadian rhythm of time, like on a time series chart. And uh, the initial distill efforts really summarized things to like a day and raw counts and it, it looked really great. Um, it was pretty but it wasn't very insightful in saying, hey, what's really happening in the real world? And so working with you and looking for ways to better make data actionable in the moment, you know, kind of, this is the direction I think a lot of companies are, are struggling with or you know, looking to um, you know, better exploit this data is to think about it as instead of points in time, you know, things on a, a time series and um, the insights that can be gleaned from that. That's a good answer, but um, but that was very helpful for us as a business, and, and really launched us was the, those kinds of uh, experiments and ideations. Which gets me back to the more meta question that we talked about in, in as an idea for this uh, interview, which is uh, why from I'm particularly interested in your perspective in interacting very closely with customers, as well as dealing with a, a type of product and. Know, enterprise solutions that generate enormous amounts of data, um, you see uh, the ability to do useful things with that data as an invaluable tool and, and maybe one that's still under, despite all the talk about data science and analytics and all the tools we have, maybe one that's still underused. Um, why is it so essential and I guess the follow-up to that is where are the gaps that we have that are um, keeping it from being even more valuable? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I talked to a customer the other day and I, and maybe even on 
you know, this sort of topic where, it, you know, they, they were they were saying, hey, I buy these different tools and they tell me my life is going to be easier. But instead of giving me five really crystal clear insights per day, they're giving me 200 or 500 uh, alerts that I it's just adding more work. And then it, it starts, starts to feel like, you know, crying wolf and you know, stuff that's maybe not even actionable or you know, that, that idea of false positives and, and the like. And, um, you know, that's one area, right? Like when you're thinking about developing your product and the thing that you're trying to give to customers for operational use, that's an area where data is super important and having a data science or data decision science team that, that can help think about what's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the most critical bits of information? How do we deliver the exact right thing to the customer on the operational plane. Uh, but then there's also this other side that I think it maybe is even more forgotten and it's the value derivation, right? When we, um, when we think about how we do a QBR with a customer or a, you know, these account management type, or maybe even during a proof of concept or proof of value project, delivering a del something at the end of that uh, session that says, Hey, here's what we did. Here's what we accomplished here's the net value so that those folks can go and sell that in internally, right? The people we're selling to can go sell to their internal leadership and, um, and claim budget for, for these types of uh, solutions. Like th that's another area, you know, whole separate area, but both of them I think are super critical and the, the data scientist uh, in concert with those folks facing the customer, you know, it's important that, you know, that they're able to, work together and, and kind of have these as common goals. Yeah. So one of the things that seems to be a repeating idea that people have is the democratization of data science or democratization of analytics. Have you come across that concept? Well, I consider myself sort of a pretensioner. So yes, I mean, the tooling has become so good that even someone like me who hasn't had a daily engineering job for, you know, quite a number of years, uh, it, you know, I, I can jump right in. I can I can use tools like Tableau or or even you know flex my muscles a tiny bit with uh, Matplotlib or Seaborn or, or you know, whatever the Python library is to whip something up really quickly and and demonstrate uh, you know a point or some attack information or you know whatever it is. I I, know, I think when we were working together. Uh, at Distill, Tableau was a product that was used by um, your team, and it, it, um, if I remember correctly, and it's an interesting product because I, I think a lot of people with more um, kind of uh, of a programming perspective on data science sort of roll their eyes at more of these uh, point and click type tools like Tableau, um, and I, I've never actually used it. Um, but it seems to me, you know, just as the way spreadsheets have allowed people to do quantitative things that they probably don't, so many people don't have the capacity to write a program, but they can do pretty um, powerful things in a spreadsheet. It seems to me that there really is a lot of opportunity if people can get access to data in um, less uh you know, complicated technical ways, then there's big opportunities for them to um, draw the insights and and do that kind of work. Is is that a fair perspective? Yeah, no doubt. I don't. I don't. For 
in any way think that uh, the things that you could do necessarily with the simple desktop visualization tools are any replacement for um, you know a data scientist or or that sort of thing. And and um, so I would get it that you know they don't you, you don't consider those to be pro grade you know pro grade tools. Uh, but but you know end of the day, I think in my mind um, things that that I can do very quickly and um, kind of almost like a proof of concept or ideate around what I, what I'm that quick feedback loop with customers. Sometimes I, you know, we've been able to take that kind of information and give it back to guys on the data science team and product teams and say, Hey, like, let's dig into this a little more. And then that, you know, is it, it might be just that little kindling that starts a fire and goes and um, you know takes someone in, in some direction. Um, I, I think it goes to this point, maybe the, the broader idea of even why you know that you and I are sitting here talking. It's that look the the connection to the customer and what we're trying to solve is is really maybe the you know the most important driving force, right? I, I think from growing the business, growing revenue, sustaining revenue. Uh, eliminating churn, constantly driving value, Th- those concepts and then the enhancements that that, that can bring to the product, um, you know, it's a, it's a very organic thing and, and it might start with this and it, it might come from the, the, you know, the other side as well, like the things that you've pro- provided to me or that other guys like William or, or Brenton or whoever, when they've done their experiment and, uh, you know, we worked at the sill, like that, that, those things bringing back on us taking that to customers, it has the same effect, right? So that this, I just love the idea of usefulness of data, using data to drive value, using data to you know drive product in in the direction that it should naturally sort of go. And though that actually points to one of my um, concerns on from where I've seen data science done, um, particularly in cybersecurity companies. Um, well, I don't know about particularly, but where I've seen it in cybersecurity companies, where you hire um, these data scientists who are, you know, have graduate level training, and often in cybersecurity, it's hard to find someone who has um, cybersecurity domain knowledge, um, and so you kind of uh, lock them in a room and say. Uh, so here's some data, come back with models or, or actionable insights and keep them at somewhat of an arm's length from actually interacting with customers uh, in a way that I think is actually potentially detrimental to uh, effective data science work. Meaning you ha- have one or more steps between the data scientists and the customers and they're I think it, you can often have a um, uh, a breakdown in communication in, in the chain between the two in knowing what um, is needed from the data science team that's actually going to be valuable to the customer. Um, and yeah, I mean, all that to say, <laughs> I think uh, I think a, a helpful thing for companies to consider is ways for uh, the data scientists, if only sitting in on meetings where maybe some kind of analysis or, or something that they've done is 
uh, discuss with customers. Maybe they don't need to actively participate, but being able to hear what customers' uh, responses are, as well as better understanding their needs, I, I think would be a really helpful and um, important thing in allowing data science data science teams to deliver a more valuable work. Honestly, this is probably if there's a sadness or regret of my time at, at Distill, it's that it took all you know a lot of time for it to be where uh, you know I could get really close interaction with you and um, and then when I did it only lasted a couple of months but but I, but I think that the idea that um, it, it, maybe it's even the idea that when you're considering pod architecture and um, and how you're maybe develop you know putting together engineering teams and you know, I'm going to get these different, you know, lots of people, people with different skills on cross-functional teams and, and do that sort of stuff. I think it really is important uh, that, you know, especially if the product team isn't necessarily the glue that's able to talk between the engineering folks and the uh, and the customers, that having someone that maybe sits in a seat kind of like where, you know, me or the folks on my team would sit, uh, you know, having them stay connected to those conversations, allowing for the data engineering and data science folks to have a closer connection with the customers and, and really be feeling part like they're part of the mission um, and not just a tool in you know that someone calls upon to uh, to do something. I I think that's probably you know super critical. You know, especially in um, you know you know the dynamics of ever-changing world of cybersecurity and the challenges that folks are facing. And even more so now when you can't force everybody to go to the office anymore, right? Like you're, you're in the situation where we're all going to be remote. And so tying us together in some way to give us, you know, access to you and you guys have access to us and our customers and their problems that that's to me, that seems like a no brainer. Uh, I think the flip side there is um, the potential of data science teams getting inundated with, requests that are really just curiosities and you know the the ceo is sitting at the breakfast table some uh, harvard business review article and once you know makes some uh, seemingly seemingly innocuous request to the data science team like oh how does how do we do on this metric or something and so then they spend four days trying yeah. to, <laughs> to pull down the data uh, not that this has happened to me in uh in real life, uh, you know, spend four days trying to pull down the data and, and answer this question. And then by the time you get an answer back, you know, the, the executives forgotten why they even asked the question. And uh, so I, I do think it's a tricky organizational uh, problem of, and priority management problem of how you filter out those requests. And, I, and you talk to any, um, anyone leading a data science team and and they'll tell you that they spend a fair bit of time telling people, uh, no, we can't yeah. <laughs> fulfill this request, which you know, maybe is any team. Um, but uh, that's a tricky one. I don't really know the answer necessarily how to balance other than uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, ping pong there that has to happen to, to find the things that are, really going to be valuable and worth the time that it takes. You know, that's why the bosses get paid the big bucks, I guess, is, is figuring, 
figuring all of that stuff out because, you know, I'll, I'll look back again to, you know, my own experience in the last decade really has been in smaller organizations. And so I, I look at it and I say, Hey, um, we, we all have some amount of ownership, maybe more than we would in other larger organizations. And so, you know, folks who want to jump in, like let's empower them to jump in and maybe folks that, you know, that don't have the, the, the bandwidth or the cycles, then, then they don't. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think to, to the point of it just being delicate and a balancing act in all organizations, that's the case. In the ones that I'm comfortable working in, I just, I just love the get your hands dirty and let's figure stuff out. And yeah, sometimes we'll throw up some stinkers, you know, bad ideas that you know, didn't make any sense. And, but sometimes, you know, you just hit one or two really good ones. Those just pull those pearls out and bam, customers are delighted. They will upgrade. They'll talk well about you. Uh, you, you might you know, save the company or earn the company millions of dollars. So uh, those are, it's, it's, it's a roll of the dice sometimes. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and that, that my earlier point, not to take away from the uh, taking those risks. Sometimes it's not, it's not always clear necessarily what things are going to be valuable, but um, I guess it's more of uh, if you're in a position where you are allowed to make requests of, of a team of highly paid data scientists, you need to have some kind of filter, whether it's your own or through someone else as to uh, if nothing else, recognizing that those seemingly simple requests are costly in that you're you're paying for time and compute resources potentially to answer those questions so uh, that that actually brings me back to this idea of democratized data science and and tools um and I, i didn't prep you for this question but are there ways in which you think that tools that are out there now are uh lacking in um, in not allowing, say, someone who's a an implementation engineer on your team, um, could could tools be better to allow them to use the data more effectively and answer those questions themselves uh, versus needing to rely on a data science team? Mm, that's a really great question. I don't know if the tools are necessarily the problem. I generally, if I can get access to the data. Um, what I am finding more and more is the roadblock is, you know, compliance fear, right? Like the idea of where is data going to sit? Is it going to be on someone's laptop? What, what data are, am I going to grant you access to if you're, you know, you're not on the engineering team or what have you. And, um, and if, you know, so, so th- there's all these barriers to get, you know, getting, I don't know. I don't want to say getting things done and you know, compliance is the necessary part of every business. Uh, you know, products designed with compliance in mind, I guess are, you know, they're going to be safe and secure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's to me is the, the, the biggest challenge. I, I don't know what I don't know. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just good enough at monkeying around with data to kind of fi- figure a few things out. I, you know, honestly, if I if I had to say what was the tool I'm missing, I just would love to have a pure play, you know, data scientist or at least a really strong data analyst that was on all of my pre-sales teams, uh, because I think that would go a long way. I mean, just 
that sort of concept. You know, give us act, give us data, give us someone who really knows how to use it and focuses on it, and um, and and let us experiment with the customer and, and give it back to product and data science to say, hey, here's what we learned, um, and, and you know, kind of a better feedback loop. That's maybe the bigger thing. I think that's a good point for people who are interested in data science as a career. I mean, often, um, increasingly, people who want to do data science are particularly interested in, hey, I want to build some kind of production machine learning system, which is a, an important and, and interesting problem. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity and need for a data analyst who isn't necessarily doing... Um, fancy machine learning and maybe not even fancy statistics, but just the ability to go in there and um, pull down data and uh, figure out how to translate business questions into questions you can ask from the data. And then an incredibly important thing is think about how to present that data in a way that's going to be useful to the stakeholders and to the customers. Uh, That's an important role and it shouldn't be um, overlooked as uh, you know, just a data analyst versus, uh, oh, I want to be a, a machine learning engineer. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, that, that, as you're saying it, I'm like, wow, it's, it really, it, it's just feels so important to me that, um, you know, that folks have those opportunities and can experiment and think about the business context and, um, and, and even, gosh, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, maybe the question for you is, is that a val- is that a valid career path for folks? Can they start as a data analyst and move to data science? Or is it you've got to be a full mathematician and you're not, you're not a, no data analysts really make that move? Uh, I, I don't, I mean, it's probably a silly, silly question, but, but what do you see? That's a very perceptive question. And for those who don't know, I have um, a blog post semi-related to this called how I became a data scientist, despite being a math major, um, uh, where I talk about uh, kind of my experience as to what the reality of, of data science is. And I partially because of that blog post pretty routinely get emails from people saying, how do I become a da- data scientist? And I, I, I talked to a lot of peers about this and it's still a very hard question to answer partially because data science has so many different meanings um, that it's, kind of how do I become a data scientist in part is a, well, what kind of data scientist do you want to be? Mm. Um, but uh, I do think a, uh, a really good path for a lot of people is probably not to look straight out of college for a role called data science, um, but maybe some kind of data analyst role or a software developer role. And then think about, if you're interested in machine learning products or machine learning projects in particular, maybe wherever you are, start to think about how that might apply to your work. And that um, there's a lot of value in academic training there, but anyone now can um, go read a couple of Riley books and install scikit-learn and PyTorch and start tinkering around with any kind of machine learning uh, model. So I, I don't want to undervalue the uh, what training and education can offer you there, but those tools really are very accessible and available to anyone who can do some basic Python. I, I think, you know, not to 
uh, hide here the, the fact that you know, part of the reason someone might want to be a data scientist versus a data analyst is uh, data um, scientists potentially make more money. And I mean, I, I support people trying to make more sure. money. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to put, to scare people away from it, but uh, I think it, it's a hard jump these days to uh, land in the data science world where people have unreasonable expectations as well as uh, confused expectations in companies. Uh, you know, I think, for example, companies often uh, over-focus on someone who has experience building XYZ uh, machine learning model when the the the, uh, the data scientists day-to-day spend a lot more hours focused on like wrangling uh, AWS permissions and, um, you know, fussing with, with Python dependency uh conflicts that sounds like, like that, a lot of fun which are the, my uh my expertise actually <laughs> um but again not that the models and the you know more nuanced things aren't important but um day to day there are a lot of other more practical skills uh, for people so um all that wrapping back to your question is that you know i think uh a data analyst type role is a really good place to start if you're a young person um, considering this and the opportunity to move into um, data science or start doing more machine learning type things really are there from those roles. I mean, you can start doing that right where you are and then, um, you know, maybe you get, can get promoted internally or in a future job when you can start to talk about machine learning uh, projects you've worked on, uh, you can move on to a data science role. But uh, again, this, this type of work, that is um, um, maybe more what we're we're talking about with your um, solutions engineering uh, projects, which uh, is more analysis focused. is is so valuable, and if you can do that well, a company is really going to appreciate that, and uh, and I think uh, encourage and support that. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt about it. I don't want to have the final word here. Anything uh, more you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, it's just been really great to catch up with you, Tim. I mean, I I think, you know, we, it's been a an awesome ride uh, the last decade here in cybersecurity. And day to day, we're faced with new challenges, both of us. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the intersection between our roles and the lives that we lead, um, I'm sure we're going to, you know, pass again and um, in ways that we don't even know. So uh, it's just, it's really exciting time to to be living in a big data world and solving big data problems, even on the front lines when we're talking to couple when I'm talking to customers uh, and, and you know, trying to help build a business. Yeah, I'm I'm still a little upset that you didn't give me the opportunity to try to find you a job at uh, at BlackBerry Silence when I was there when, when you were looking for a new role, but. Uh, Still time in the future. You still have maybe three or four more good years. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I don't want to age out of uh, of tech. I mean, I'm still a young man. I feel that way every day. So, are you hiring uh, at all at Talus Security that you'd like to do any shout outs for? Uh, we do have a couple of jobs open for DevOps type roles. Uh, those wouldn't be reporting to me, unfortunately. Uh, well, fortunately, let's say. Uh, but in the future, I mean, I see the, our growth trajectory and what we're sort of thinking about for the rest of the year and looking to 2021. 
I, you know, the, there's going to be plenty of opportunity and uh, we'll be, be looking to hire the best and brightest for sure. Excellent. And would you like to share uh, where people can find you online at a website or Twitter or LinkedIn or anything? Yeah, my uh, Twitter handle is at complicated bull and you can find me on LinkedIn at slash KFBR three nine two. I like it. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the into the hopper podcast. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Enjoy. Enjoy. 